You are listening to How Does She Do It? And this is a flashback to episode 59. Welcome to the ride. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of How Does She Do It? I wanted to, first of all, wish you a happy new year. Welcome to 2019. As of this recording, we are in January of the new year. I wanted to start off the new year with a flashback episode because this was, number one, the most downloaded episode in 2018. And number two, I think it is a really, really good conversation to frame the power of reflecting on your past. If you listen to the last three episodes of 2018, I spent a lot of time talking about the value of understanding where you've been in order to move forward in your future. And Marshawn Evans Daniels, who is the guest on this episode, does an excellent job of talking about the power of your pain and turning it into purpose. And I'm not sure there's a person who ever goes through an entire year and doesn't experience some sort of pain in some way, shape, or form. Of course, there are some years where the pain may be more overbearing or hard to deal with than others, but I think that we all have pasts and every person has a past that includes challenges that they have to learn how to move past and beyond. And so in this conversation with Marshawn, I wanted to share it with you. She is the author of a book called Believe Bigger. You'll hear us referring to the book launch. That book launch happened last year. So the book is still for sale, but the launch is no longer brand new. So I just want to put that out there. And as you think about the episode, I want you to think about where you are right now as you're thinking about your 2019 and what are the things that you need to to repurpose for purpose going forward? What are the challenges that you faced last year or the residual pain that came from experiences or difficulties or just leftover unresolved emotions that you can take and use to propel you forward? So as you listen to this conversation, I encourage you to be encouraged. I encourage you to take notes. She dropped so many gems in this episode. And if you have not already purchased a copy of Believe Bigger, then you can head over to the show notes of this week's episode to find a link in order to do that. If you want to connect with me on social, I am at Tiff South, and that's Tiff with two Fs, or you can connect with the show's account at how does underscore she do it. And if you want to join the email list, text how does she do it as one word to 444-999. Again, that's how does she do it as one word to 444-999. Now let's get into it. Marshawn, thank you so much for being on this episode of How Does She Do It? Thank you for having me. I am a new but sold fan of your podcast, and I love that you are willing to bring new voices on. So thank you so much. It's absolutely my pleasure. And I mentioned to you before we got started that I have been a fan of yours for some time. And what I love the most about you is your your authenticity is very, very clear. And you have a heart for Christ, you have a heart for women, and in everything that you do, it is consistent and it is clear. And so I thank you for that as someone who has a similar similar passions and similar interests. So thank you for being an example. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet of you to say that. It, you know, you never realize how much um, affirmation means, especially when you're a, 
I say a life changer when you're out there in the business of life changing in the day in and day out. And sometimes you don't even know who's watching. You you shared that we had like similar law background and passion for faith. And so it's wonderful to know that we connect with people. So thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. So one of the things that I, in preparing for our conversation today, I went back to an interview that you did with Paul Carrick Brunson in 2014. And that was one of my first, like the longer introductions that I had to you and actually led me to purchase one of your courses, your brilliant branding course, which was Uh my first kind of intentional focus on thinking about how I wanted to share my gifts with the world. And one of the things that you said in that conversation with Paul, you said that many people, but especially women, grow up learning how to smile, not laugh. And Mm. that it's because we're so busy performing and working, but not enjoying the process. And when I reflected on that and thought about your book and the idea of believing bigger, I thought it was a perfect place to start this conversation as to what prompted you to share this story at this time in your life. Wow. So that just really stuck me. I was like, I said that, (laughs) Um, but it's true. It's true. One of the things I talk about in Believe Bigger is how we as women wear masks. And I know that because I've been a master mask wearer. It's been celebrated. It has been encouraged. That's what drove me up the mountains of success and money and striving and winning and achieving. And there's nothing wrong with winning. I want women to know and to give themselves permission to win. My first book was called Skirts in the Boardroom, A Woman's Survival Guide to Success in Business and Life. And so much of my identity had been shaped by success. I had been in the on the apprentice in the Miss America competition I was doing television commentary for major networks like CNN Fox Business Channel and even ESPN I had run my own sports agency that I started after only practicing law for about a year and a half and that sports agency grew very quickly to be the fastest growing women-owned sports agency in less than a year wow so I had signed also the highest paid defensive end in the NFL as my first client He had signed a $62 million seven-year deal. Um, My high school life had been really marked by achievement, getting scholarships, being on every possible committee um, organization. The one thing I did lose, I did come in second to senior class president, but everything else, uh, and that was devastating, so devastating that my girlfriends pulled me out of class because they did not want me to have a breakdown that I didn't win. And I, was, mm. I thought that was a little dramatic. But then I thought, have I presented myself in such a way that people think that I will break if I don't? And this was high school. I went on in college. I was magna cum laude. I went to Georgetown for law school. So for me, what I learned is that I was um, not just pursuing passion. I was pursuing titles. Hmm. I was pursuing um, prestige. And again, when you do that, it can be very misleading because success is intoxicating and it's inspiring to people as well. There's not, it's not an all or nothing where it's a good or bad, but there does come a point where you outgrow success being your driver. I think it's okay actually for a season because we have a lot of folks who today are just straight up lazy Mm -hmm. and don't have a strong work ethic. 
and won't go above and beyond to pursue and to do things with a level of excellence. I know that now as an employer. Mm-hmm. So I don't regret that, but I outgrew the season of success. And a few years ago, I was, well, now it's been nine years. It felt like a few, it feels sometimes like yesterday, but I was engaged and um, I was running my sports agency, being on a book tour and very busy. And I was engaged to a man who was just like my Prince Charming. Um, It was awesome to have somebody and really just long awaited to have someone who seemed to see past what I call Marshawn.com, who saw like the real me. And I actually opened up my book with the phrase, I finally found somebody who saw me. And for years, I always felt like, well, nobody really believes that I even want to be married because they think I just want to marry a trophy (laughs) or a a degree. So this was just, it was wonderful. It was the most refreshing time of my life. I got to be a bonus mom also to his three children, traveling back and forth between Atlanta and Chicago, and we're getting ready to get married. Everything in my life is great. And even because I was so busy on a book tour, managing these ballplayers, he said, why don't you take a break and pause? When you get to Chicago, let me take care of you. Have a chance just to rest. You just bought me this luxury vehicle, a BMW, and no man had ever done that for me before. I was very skeptical about that because Miss Independent Woman is like, don't let a man do that. But my dad said, you know, that's one of the things that happens when you blend your life is it's okay to let your guard down. Yeah. And so six days before my wedding, I discover that the Monday morning before the Saturday wedding, when my fiance is on a plane to meet me and I'm supposed to be picking him up at the airport in about 90 minutes, because it's a very short flight from Chicago to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And I discover something that just changed my life, which was that he was cheating on me. Hmm. And that moment changed my whole world. It, I, I didn't see this coming. This was so much different than success and all these other things. This was love. This was my heart. This was my, my soul was in this man's hands. And it's something to um, fall, but it's another thing for the person who said they would catch you to be the one who actually drops you. Wow. So that's what kind of wake, awakened me up. And this book is really about how I broke up with success and instead began to pursue significance. And in the process, I have been able to build a multi-million dollar company. So it doesn't mean that when we pursue significance that prosperity, impact, influence, and even new love is not going to find us. It will. And so the book goes through a lot of different things. Um, And one of the things that I'm most proud about, and I should say honored that God dropped into my life, was this concept of the purpose map. And I'm sure we'll get into that. But um, that's why I wrote this book is that I had to believe bigger than heartbreak, believe bigger than betrayal, and believe bigger than success to find a place of significance, purpose, and calling. And that's what I want to help women do is learn how can we embrace disruption to step into our destiny. Wow. So as you were telling that story and as I was reading the book, I was like, so I'm reading the digital copy and I'm like on the edge of my seat because I know, you know, when you you're reading it and you, you know, you kind of, you've teased the story. So, you know, the direction it's going in, but the detail and the emotion and the way that you paint this vivid picture of the experience that you have as someone who, as you described, was very independent, had her own and who had chosen intentionally to learn to be vulnerable in order to pursue this direction and, and having to, as you talk about reinvent your 
your definition of a success and the way that you pursued that as a result of this disruption. And I first just want to say thank you for sharing what is so personal, especially as women who put ourselves out publicly in there's an image that we, that people assume about us based on what they see about Mm -hmm. us. And you shared very things that I think I know I identified with. And I think a lot of women will, um, in, in the challenges with being vulnerable. Um, but in Mm -hmm. your, what you just said, you said so many things and I took, I was, I'm taking notes as we talked about, I'm a, uh, you know, a lawyer can never, you can never break, (laughs) you can never break that habit. I get made fun of it. All the time. We take the best notes on the planet. Hello, hello. <laughs> we do. If you can make it through law school, it does not matter whether it is your pastor. You have that that being fully outlined. Oh, yes, yes, <laughs> with citations included. So yes. you you talked about outgrowing the season of success and and breaking up with success almost, and that's something that in in my story is similar in the way that I went to law school, a similar achiever. I went to Cornell University for undergrad pursued a master's in social work at University of Pennsylvania, got law, Mm -hmm. did law school at University of Pennsylvania, got this AMLAW job. So I had success on lock. And then I got the success, so to speak. I arrived at the definition, at the destination and experienced some of this disruption that you talk about. And I wanted to get into one of the, my favorite phrases of, uh, of your book is this split rock moment. Yeah. And how powerful the imagery that you painted in 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 reviewing that that verse from Isaiah, um, mm-hmm. how is a, and I, I want you to just share with the listeners what is a split rock moment, and how did that manifest itself in your own life? Whew. Well, I always say that you can tell when a shift is happening because you take the word shift and you just take the f out. Hmm. So when (laughs) it starts hitting the fan, when something comes into your life that is completely unexpected, that you did not see coming, we can often think, particularly as believers, right, that we're under attack or that it's the man or that there is something that is happening to you that is against you. And that automatically puts us in a victim's mentality. Mm. And when I was going through the season of I would say renewal. It almost felt like recovery because when the wind and it feels like the life is taken out of you, it literally felt like someone took my heart out of my chest. That's how I know women get cheated on every day. And I don't always think that we really honor um, how destructive it is to our soul, what it does to our self-esteem, what it does to our ability to believe, to trust and to dream. Mm. And so when I was going through this self-discovery process, I really, you know, needed to hear some things from God to understand how his daughter got here. I'm like, God, you and I have been rocking together for a long time. I've been helping your people (laughs) step into the life you want them to have. And I've made all the right decisions. I waited 30 something years, even just to, to get married and to be abstinent until then. I thought I did all of the things that you said I was supposed to do. And how did I end up here? And so as I was reading, I felt like I was in a desert season. I felt like I was in a dry place that I didn't understand, that didn't seem fair, and that I didn't want to be in. And I was somewhat, I didn't want bitterness to set in, but I didn't understand why I should be grateful to God for me being here. And I was dealing with depression for the first Mm -hmm. time in my life. Mm -hmm. Here, I'm a motivational speaker. 
<laughs> so how, how, how is that going to work? So I was working on just kind of spiritual development. There was this passage in Isaiah that I shall read really quickly. I will open the book of Believe Bigger. <laughs> and um, it says in Isaiah 48, verse 21, they did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He made water flow for them from the rock. He split the rock and water gushed out. Hmm. Now I was feeling like I was in a desert season and I just couldn't move past this scripture for like an hour or so. I just read it over and over again because I felt like I was in a desert, but I didn't understand. I don't know that I've seen many rocks that have reservoirs of tons of water coming out of it. So it felt like a contradiction. And of course, my lawyer mind was, I got to get to the bottom of gotta, this. You got to analyze it. There's a, there's a clue here. And my spirit was saying, stay here. So what I realized, what I asked God, I said, God, are you saying that there is new life in the middle of a hard place? Hmm. It says, he split the rock and water gushed out. And so one of the things I do in chapter three of the book is I break down this entire verse, like just little phrases, which yeah. we don't have time to do here. So I think it'll be a great thing for people to really understand mm -hmm. the op what, what God is doing when he leads us. This is the other thing that was really made me a little annoyed at God for a moment. I was like, wait a minute. He led them through the desert. So I'm like, you put me here. Mm. You mm. put me here. It wasn't about the man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't about, um, it wasn't about what seemed to be happening to me. What this scripture was showing me is maybe there was something new within me that he was trying to do through me. Right. So could this really be for me? Mm. And this is where I, I, I learned this phrase that says he split the rock. And now I call these split rock moments. And these are moments that are defining moments that could devastate you, but they're really designed to develop you and to awaken you. Mm -hmm. And if we do not have a mature mindset that we will approach this as a victim as opposed to as a life changer. Because if we understand that our, our lives are not our own, that what we go through is for what we're supposed to lead other people through. And so split rock moments for others, it could be losing that job. It could be um, even the loss of a loved one. It could be um, a disruption in your marriage, in your personal lives your friendships. I mean, I remember when I was getting married this go around when I actually did get married, I don't want to give the story away, but I, I do marry the right guy in the mm -hmm. end. And, um, my, some of my bridesmaids that I have known, like since I was three, like, where are y'all going? Mm -hmm. Why we're supposed to be in this season of life together. Mm -hmm. So I've learned to embrace disruption. I've learned to embrace split rock moments because here moments, because here's the thing. God is trying to break you up with some version of yourself that is now outdated. That's what the split is about. Hmm. It's designed to split you from where you've been so that something new, because that's what water represents, the water that came forth from the rock. Something new is inside of you that you don't even know yet. Right. And he has to use dramatic methods to get our attention. First, first of all, <laughs> I because I'm just as I'm listening to you because, like I said, in reading this book, the extent to which I could identify with every emotional stage of your development was um, refreshing for me, and just like this is like this is dope, like <laughs> this is, mm, and you. it is true that it, it it you have clearly been gifted with breaking down and creating this framework. And you mm. mentioned uh, one of the things that you, that you you talk about is is divine reinvention, and you just alluded to how this 
this split rock moment is the beginning of that process. Mm -hmm. And I wanted, so I wanted to take a step back here and I don't want to, um, I don't want to give too much of the book away, but I know yeah. that you, that you've shared these, what generally what these five stages are yeah. and the imagery that comes with them. And so kind of taking, going back a bit to mm -hmm. the, to thinking about the way that we, when we get to these points where we are so challenged, where we have this disruption, that we're often coming from a foundation, that rock that you talked about, that like, you're, mm -hmm. I, I imagine you standing on something that once felt solid, yes, but now yes. the there's been a shift and it's causing a disruption in the things that we once believed about ourselves. Yes, 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 that's the thing. Right? And that's the thing because that what we believe is what we are, it's what we do, it's how we respond, it's how we show up, it's how the, the imposter was introduced into my heart because mm -hmm. I welcomed him here. I could not blame him for a relationship that I could... I didn't have to get engaged. Now, I wanted to. I didn't see this coming, but why couldn't I? Because the old version of me couldn't see what the new version of me needed to see. Right. And so there's so many things that our comfort zone, especially ambitious, successful women, we're so dang caught up in our mm -hmm. titles. We're so dang caught up in what we've done. We've been so wounded in our self-esteem as women and who we are just being good enough without having to put on all the other um, particularly in America, the types of titles that they say that make us mm -hmm. just enough to maybe get in the door, right. that we don't know really who we are, how we're wired. And it just messes us up when it comes to making decisions mm -hmm. that are in alignment with our soul, not just our success. Mm. And and even and that end up limiting or even restricting what we can imagine our purpose to be. And Absolutely. that is, so you'd mentioned some of the, like the foundational things you talked about in the, um, and is it okay if I, if I name yeah. the stages? Okay. Yeah, yeah, you talked yeah, yeah, about yeah. in the, in the discovery stage, the rules and how, and basically how we're taught, what we're taught we're supposed to be. Yeah, and I thought that, mm -hmm. and I thought that that was so, I thought that that was so powerful because that thread then carries us through to the things yes. that we end up pursuing and yeah. the way that we then decide we need to move our direction, which goes into the second stage. So do you just want to kind of give a, yeah. a high level overview of these, of these stages in, um, as you kind of have, have outlined them in yeah. based on your own experience? Sure. So first of all, I love when um, interviewing with someone who's read the book and who connects with it. I'm like, yes, I love <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, trying to hold back. Like, I'm just like, because I'm just, you should see my notes anyway. <laughs> well, so first I'll tell how I discovered these. So as I went through the healing process and personal development, mental health um, focus as well, I put myself in counseling. I always say this every time I have an opportunity is that, yes, I put myself, I was already a church girl. I was already in church. And, but I read like 13 books during the time, the 10 months that I took a, a break because God told me to pause. And I also was in counseling. I pursued that. I knew that I didn't know how I got here. And I also knew that my life was not my own and that my life mattered. And so I wanted to not just get spiritual support, but I wanted a professional who this is what they do because I didn't want to end back up here. And so during that time, I started um, a coaching company working with women. Um, it became, well, I would just say in the beginning, I didn't even know it was going to be working with women. I just needed to pay my bills because when I called the wedding off, 
I um, had closed down my sports agency for this relationship. Hmm. So now here I am. I think I'm a smart chick. I've got this nice fancy Georgetown law degree. Um, I'm on television, but I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Hmm. I've never been in this situation before because I let my guard down. And I, I referred all my clients to other representation, all my athlete clients. So um, I needed to pay my bills. I was not pursuing purpose. I wasn't pursuing destiny. I wasn't at fully at that stage yet. I wanted to do something that mattered and I wanted to help people. So I had an event called the Me University Business and Branding Bootcamp. And it was teaching branding because people kept picking my brain. Um, they wanted to know, how did you get endorsement deals with Nike and Rolls Royce and Tiffany and company for the athletes? How did you get them on television? Do you have a PR person? I was like, no, I figured out publicity. And I, I, have, I figured out my own publicity in terms of me doing commentary for CNN, ESPN, and Fox Business. Those are the three I was doing most regularly for. No PR person. And so they were picking my brain. And then I discovered that it was so much that I was like, maybe I should just have a workshop. Yeah. And I just keep being taken to Starbucks for a $5 overpriced cup of tea and maybe uh, do something. So I charged um, $1,497 for my first seminar. Prior to that, years ago when I was doing pageant consulting with helping the Miss America and Miss USA contestants develop their interview skills, I had charged $135 most max for a workshop. So I do this seminar, people come, and that was really what shifted me into this new season of being a strategist. I had been a speaker, but I hadn't really been a coach and I didn't know what coaching was. And I thought coaching was silly. Now there's a lot of coaches out there. Like it's flooded in terms of the marketplace. But at the time I'd never seen a black woman that was a high level coach. Um, and there were people that, that were not black women and there were Caucasian men and women actually that I saw. And I was like, they're making how much? And I've never heard of them before. <laughs> there are a lot of people that I had heard of on the speaking circuit. And I was like, they're not making, not, they're not having million dollar weekends. Mm -hmm. I want to learn more about that. Yeah. And so it was in that process of pursuing and rebuilding my life and my financial life that I discovered these five stages of purpose as I was working with my clients. And I found that there were patterns that I had been through that everyone was going through. And then I realized, even when I looked at parallels in the Bible with um, Saul, how he became Paul and, um, Esther and her journey. Um, and I noticed that this was not just something I experienced, but this was the five stages of purpose and divine reinvention that all of us are called to go through in our life, period. But what I also recognize is that most people will never make it out of stage two Ooh, in their life. Talk about it. Wow. The reason is we're, we're taught to pursue in stage one, we're taught to pursue retirement as opposed to reinvention. We were living in an industrialized um, world where the whole focus is on getting a job, survival, and selling yourself enough to make somebody else believe in you enough to pay you a paycheck. And then when you get done with that, we'll take care of you and you'll be able to retire. And that's what we're taught is the purpose and mission of life. We're not taught that we're called to lead and influence and that one day calling will call upon us to do something that stretches us outside of our comfort zone, but is for a larger mission that moves God's plan and that moves the entire earth forward. We're not taught that from day one. When I have kiddos, my daughter, my son will know that before they know how to write their ABCs and their one, two, threes. Mm -hmm. And so this first stage of purpose, I, I was actually at a cocktail reception. Delta Airlines was one of my clients and they invited me to a private reception. I met a woman from Home Depot, senior level, like she was boss chick for real, for real. <laughs> mm -hmm. And like one heartbeat away from the president. And, um, 
she was in a place of transition in her life. And I had written these five stages for the first time in my business journal. Now, frameworks, what I've learned now, are one of my superpowers. I love drawing. I see things like an architect does. But I see things as it relates to other people's processes, their plans, their strategies, all of that. So I pull out a cocktail napkin. It says Delta Airlines, and I flip it over on the back. And in the first one, I draw a box. And inside the box, I write the words discovery, which is the stage you started talking about, which is stage one of these five stages. And discovery, I share, is where we learn who we should be. Who are we supposed to be? Who are we told to be? We learn the do's and don'ts of life, what we should do, what we shouldn't do. This is where we get shoulded on. Mm. This is where we learn people-pleasing, protocol. Mm. This is where we learn to color inside the lines and not to step out of the lines. This is where we learn to wait. This is where we learn to be picked as opposed to pick ourselves. This is where we learn permission. So we learn this from who? Our family, our grandmama, (laughs) our, our church, our community rules, our teachers, just the way society conditions us. This is also particularly for us as women of color, where we learn how unbeautiful the world thinks that we are. So all of us ingest a different set of rules, but the rules end up regulating the rest of your life. And they also take us into stage two. So in stage two, I took out a, um, I took that pen again and I drew another box next to it. And inside of it, I wrote talent. And I talked to her about how talent is where this is who we decided to be, right? So stage one was, who should I be? Stage two, we asked the question, who did I decide to be? And for her, she could definitely resonate with the five success mountains that I talk about for women. Um, And I outline them more in detail in the book. But one of the success mountains is the money mountain, the mountain of achievement and um, prosperity and pursuing your goals. And for other women, it could be the mountain of motherhood, like that becomes your identity. And so somehow in this talent stage, it's not just about being talented or winning America's next top model or, or, or American Idol. It's about how do you create your identity and how do you become a master mask wearer? And here, here's the thing. My addiction to success was mine, but it doesn't mean that every woman on the planet doesn't have one. And so one thing that women may not like is that I call every woman an addict of some sort. The question is, what is your addiction of What choice? is your addiction? Mm, that is so real. So we moved then into stage three, which is what I call the gap. And so I drew like a bridge and underneath it a circle to symbolize kind of going in circles because it can turn out to be like a purpose purgatory where we're not where we were and we're not where we know we're being called to, even though we don't know what the future holds. We're in kind of this wilderness place in between our Egypt and our promised land, this place of transition and confusion. And I believe this is where women are on the planet right now. This is why we're seeing this whole boss lady movement and the lady boss and the I'm a boss, you're a boss, everybody's a boss boss movement. (laughs) Yes, so true. Because they are, and I think it's in part because there's actually an awakening, but without an alignment fully. So that's the reason why everyone sounds the same. They're in the gap. And um, so uh, she could relate to that as well. And then stage four, I drew another box. And inside of it, I wrote gifts. Gifts is, and actually in stage three, let me tell you the question we asked there. We asked the question, what is happening to me? Like, this is where you feel like your world is falling apart. Things are changing. For her, I would say her split rock moment wasn't really an event. It was more a tug. Mm -hmm. That feeling of, I don't belong here anymore. So something will pull you out of the talent stage. And if we're not listening, you might get split rock into it like me with betrayal that will really wake me up because you're not listening to that small, still voice that says move or leave or go. 
And for her, it was a tug. So in stage four, I wrote gifts. I explained, this is where we discover our superpowers. We ask the question, how did God really design me? Not who did I decide to be from talent, but in gifts, how was I really designed? And I've always said, and I say this in the book as well, that there are many things that you have learned to do well, but there are other things that you've never done that you do even better. You just may not know it yet. And gifts is where we discover our hidden superpowers, our abilities, and our voice. Because I believe that every single woman is called to teach, to lead, to use her life as a story. Her story is a message. Her message matters. Her voice matters. That's why Me Too is happening right now. That's why the women's movement is happening. It's not really a movement. It's a voice awakening. Mm -hmm. We're tired of being silenced. And so lastly, I drew in this last box. I drew a last box and I wrote in it influence. And because she was a professional woman, I also wrote legacy and income, like leaving a financial legacy. And she was like, yeah, I'm ready to do something that I build that is my own. And I'm also ready to lead people with what I've learned in terms of how I got up that success mountain to help other people get up it as well. And so she immediately looked down at the napkin. And before I could ask her which stage she was in, she put her finger smack dab in the gap. And that is what, that is where most people are. Most people will never make it out of there. And that's why I presented this map. So one, we can know that we have greater purpose. There is something, God is not a respecter of persons when it comes to the desire for us to lead, to have influence, to use our lives in such a way that points other people in the right direction. Our lives are supposed to get other people into their promised land. And so that's the five stages that I outline in the book. And that was the first time that I shared it with someone now um, I teach it at my mastermind programs and now I'm sharing it with the world so that it becomes a new language of how we talk about purpose. I think that that is so beautiful that you were, you kind of, you saw it in your own, in your own journey and then you mirrored it in the journeys of other, you saw the pattern and you noticed the pattern and then you were able to piece it together in a way that you could share with other people. Mm-hmm. I want to, I've, I'm like, I was thinking about talent because the world defines talent as 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 gift based on the Correct. way that you talk about talent and gift they mm-hmm. are very different things and it made yeah. me rethink the way that I've been using the word talent and Good. so I so and but I want to focus on the gap because okay. like as you mentioned the gap is where most people find themselves and you touched upon the fact that we expect like think as believers as women of color who have been who based on what we the rules that we've been given and what we've been told we're supposed to be we do not believe that we can get to that fourth stage that we do not necessarily believe that we have that we are meant to have influence that we're meant to that there's some a purpose bigger than ourselves how do you for someone who is in that in that space who feels herself being pulled back to talent, but is like, I think there might be more for me. How do we break out of that mindset that we are not actually big enough that we, and you, and you talked there, you mentioned, I'm, I'm, I'm like going all over the place. I'm so I'm going to rest there, but there's a quote that I want to, to pull from the book that you talked about that I think really speaks to the fact that we have to give ourselves permission yes. to believe mm-hmm. in the infinite power of the God that we say we believe in to that he actually powers us to have this purpose that we don't even recognize that we have. Yeah. 
so so good so good so good i'm listening to her like so many things to unpack there (laughs) (laughs) i'm excited because i am going to be doing um I don't know if they'll be full day, all of them, or half day, all of them, or some of them full day, but we'll be doing a Believe Bigger Women's Empowerment Tour to do, um, it's, it takes longer than just an author signing, right? But like a full breakdown, which stage are you in? What have been your rules? What's holding you back? And there's a couple of things that hold us back. So in stage one of discovery, when we're learning our rules, we also become very acquainted with a voice that becomes the obnoxious roommate in our head that never really wants to leave. And that is the voice of what I call little me. Little me is the voice of fear, the voice of doubt, hesitation. Little me is fed by our blessing blocking behaviors that I talk about in terms of how, why you're stuck in the gap. Mm -hmm. One of those being comparison and perfectionism. Little me grows when we hesitate and when we pause and when we stop because little me's objective is to keep us out of our promised land out of our destiny to block us from believing bigger to stop us from dreaming to keep us um contained Hmm. as women Hmm. little me doesn't want you as a woman to know your voice to know that you actually have something that is a catalyst and that you're truly a fire starter Hmm. little me doesn't want you to know that so we get ingrained with our own version of little me and little me knows how to trip you up. Like each of us has our own version and in some form or fashion, little me is telling you that you're not enough. There isn't enough. You'll never be enough. And because that becomes our belief system, we can't believe bigger than what we believe. We can't act bigger than what we believe. One of the things I state in the book is that what you believe you build and what you're not building is based off of what you don't believe to be true about you. And we don't believe things to be true about ourselves, but then we say that we believe in the most high God. And one of the phrases that is very, I think somewhat going to be controversial or at least revelatory um, for those who are not in a religious frame of thinking is that we have to learn as women to believe in ourselves as opposed to just putting all the onus on believing in God. Because a lot of um, faulty spiritual teaching teaches us to believe that we just need to believe that God is able. But if God lives within us and we don't believe in ourselves and God moves through us from within us, do we really believe in God if we don't believe in who he made us and how he made us? Can I just park right there for a second? That has been the thing that in the last year of my own journey that has become crystal clear for me. And you state when you, when I read it, I was like, praise hands emojis. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. This is, this is the truth because what you and what you talk about and what you just, what you just mentioned is that if I cannot believe that I deserve the power and the blessings that God has promised me, not just wants to, you know, Lucy Goosey has mentioned these things, but mm-hmm. has already promised me, I cannot access them. Yes. And that is what I'm so glad that you made that point in the book. And I do believe that a lot of people, it's going to rub a lot of people the wrong yeah. way. Because it's like that we're taught, well, that that's somehow blasphemous or, um, And I've seen more brokenness amongst women who are believers and women who aren't because we, and this is why the church is losing an entire generation is because they won't speak to the heart of ambition, which is God placed the SEO 
which is uh, the root, the Latin for the word desire means of the father. When we say God gives us the desires of our heart, they came from God. It doesn't mean that he's a genie in a bottle and he just gives us what we want. It means that he gave us the desire to begin with. And because when you start really talking about, in my view, the Holy Spirit, when you start really talking about pursuing God's path and his plan and his desires for you, that is totally unpredictable and is something that the church cannot control and cannot contain. It's not supposed to, but wants to. So it's easier for us to be able to teach people predictable behavior. And so what happens when we're called to do something that is unpredictable, our faith can't cash the check that our dreams have written. We can't live up to it because we have not been taught how to believe in ourselves. We have, if we believed in ourselves, we would invest in ourselves. If we believed in ourselves, we would pick ourselves. We wouldn't wait to be chosen. It says they that wait upon the Lord. But what does waiting mean? I used to work with athletes. So in the off season, they're waiting, but what are they doing while they're waiting? They're training. Preparing. Yes. They don't, we haven't been taught what waiting is. We have a miracle mindset where we put all the onus on heaven and we wouldn't do that to our child saying, you know what, baby, you don't have to do anything. I'm going to do everything. You never have to work. All you have to do is believe that daddy loves you mm. and that's it. Mm. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> right, right. So my point, the whole thing that you asked up about um, permission or mentioned about permission, first it's recognizing what is the little me voice that trips you up and then learning to listen to the antidote to that, which is the voice of future me. Future me is wholly obsessed and passionate about your future. Future me is actually trying to get you into your future and swallows little me like a vitamin for breakfast. Mm. He's not concerned with all the little fears, the illusions that are not real, the voices that tell you who you're not, and even what other people, how other people in your life will be an advocate for and speak into your little me as opposed to your future me because they're projecting their fears, their failure, their failures their faults and what they never did onto you so that you shouldn't do it. Mm. Calling that wisdom. Yeah. When it's not divine, anything that keeps you stuck, small, stagnant, um, or in this gap of of purpose purgatory is not divine. And so it is breaking, it's understanding and deciphering the voice that is speaking in your head, giving yourself permission to dream again, to believe again. But we can't do that until we realize What have been the things that have been keeping us back? Because you were saying that we can't believe bigger about our, like our possibilities or our gifts and that we have something that matters. What I have found is that every time we pull little me and put little me on blast, bring her to the carpet. Mm -hmm. She's smaller than we realize. She seemed like this huge, big giant. But if we can take the slingshot, if we can take the stone really of faith and speak life, into something that we can't even see, yeah. then little me tends to have as, as, has, has less and less power. And it's almost like if you think of the big giant, um, the more you speak the opposite of what you see, like little me is very rational. Little me is difficult for engineers, lawyers, and very scientific process-minded people to really get past because we're so dang logical. Right. We don't realize we're logicaling our way out of destiny. Because that's our version of little me. We're like, well, I have a degree for it. So now we've justified little me. Why we stay where we are, right? (laughs) Yes. And it doesn't have the empirical data to support da-da-da-da. But are we people of faith? I'm not saying we have to operate where we're 
dumb and we ignore science, but just because it's facts doesn't mean it's truth. So yeah, you may not have certain things in place, but it doesn't mean that it's true that those things have to exist in order for you to step into something bigger, greater, higher, more abundant, more prosperous, more loving. And so our minds can truly play tricks on us. And so the last thing I'll say about this in terms of shifting is how important it is to get around people who can also stretch you into a higher vision. And it may not be who you've been rocking with thus far. It may not be where you sit every day, every Sunday. I'm not saying leave there. I'm just saying you might need to expand your repertoire. Right. Sit in a different pew at the very least. Or (laughs) Or, with a different person. Or maybe. mm -hmm. A totally different community. Like for Mm -hmm. me, putting myself in a high-end mastermind elevated my faith. And these were not believers. Mm -hmm. They encouraged my dreams in ways that Christians had never done. Ever. That's one of the reasons why I write this. That's also one of the reasons why I pushed my publisher, Simon & Schuster, to put this book in the women in business category, which is something they have never done for a Christian author. And they told me that that's a risk because Christian books are in Christian categories, but I don't believe Christian people need to just be talking to Christian people. That's not what we're called to do. It isn't. I think it's fairly basic. I mean, watch the life of Christ. He did not hang out in the church ever. And only when he did, he was not chilling there. He was messing some stuff up. I just, just had a conversation with someone yesterday about that exact thing, that Christ Mm -hmm. was a disruptor. (laughs) And he went places that nobody, like people were shocked that he did. When I, I was talking specifically about when he talked to the woman at the well. Yeah. And that was a woman that nobody else talked to. And he talked to her and he shared an intimate moment with her. He knew her and he, and he still spoke to her and he still connected with her. Yes. That's who I want that. Well, that's who I want to reach. And, um, so one of the things that I've done, cause I have this, um, movement that I've started years ago called the Godfidence movement. Yes. And I could have called this book Godfidence, right? Cause this is really about believing in who God says you are, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I chose believe bigger, which has been our tagline because um, I wanted it to have more broad reach, but I also wanted to reach those who may not walk into a church, right? May not go to a traditional Christian, anything, but really do want to find their purpose, really do want to step into a bigger, bolder life and are looking for some kind of substantive direction in the midst of this girl boss, lady boss movement that really is um, self-focused as opposed to um, glory focused. And Mm -hmm. how do we use our lives in such a way that makes a difference, not just money? Because mm-hmm. the bubble will burst. Money will never satisfy. It cannot fully glorify. And it will never be enough, especially for the way that women are wired. We are nurturers by nature. And so if we're pursuing and trying to rebrand the male style of success. We're going to find our hearts sorely broken. And you know what else is we're going to, you're already seeing it with all of the health issues that women are facing right now. Wow. Because we've adopted a weight that we cannot carry because we're pursuing uh, an, uh, a vision of success that was developed by a man. And it wasn't meant for us. It's just like, we can't, we physically aren't wired like that, but spiritually, emotionally, we're not wired. And we don't have to be because the feminine nature of who we are. I see this woman in Proverbs 31 as the embodiment of all wisdom. Cause she's the very last story. We hear all this stuff about wisdom written by a man, right? In the book of Proverbs he refers to wisdom in the feminine sense from chapter one and in every sense that you, and then at the end, the embodiment of all of that is this woman who was wise, 
who was a wife, who was a mom, who was creative, and she was a mogul. But she did so in such a way that had the effervescent elegance of being a woman who was after God's heart. And out of the overflow of her heart was a beautiful marriage, a beautiful um, family, and also a beautiful banging business at the same time. So I am just here to help redirect, redirect the core of what we do. Um, and I have a program that I'll be launching this uh, summer called She Profits that is based off of Proverbs 31, 18, which says she makes sure that her dealings are profitable. Hmm. So, you know, Believe Bigger to me is about helping women get realigned with who they're really always and who, they've, who they're supposed to be, but who they've always been. First, the chills. <laughs> when you described how, because I, that's something that I realized as well, reading Proverbs and looking at wisdom and the, mm -hmm. and, and you just put it together. I did not make the connection between the, the female pronoun to yes. the last chat. That is like, yes. that's brilliant. And there's yeah. a reason for that. And I, I could talk to you for three hours. Right. And we're not, <laughs> I'm going in order to respect your time. Cause you just said so many powerful things there that I think at its core, it is about us refusing to contain to stay contained by the box yes. that we were we were put in by the society that has defined us, by the rules that our family gave us, by the little me that we helped nourish over the years and learn we have to starve little me in order to feed the vision, feed the bigger, the believing bigger, and the purpose that we are actually ordained and that we are here to to uh, to walk in and that we were intended to walk in. And I want to, there were so many, I had like, I had all these notes. I had all these like <laughs> ideas about where this conversation was going, but I knew that it was going to be able to, to just flow so well in this way. Mm -hmm. But I want to, we, we are coming to the end of our time. I want to ask you, I have a few questions okay. that um, that are kind of shorter and succinct. You, <laughs> listen, you can be, because I have time. So, <laughs> but if you were to give yourself, based on the thing, things that you know now, if you were to give your 29-year-old self mm -hmm. one piece of advice, what would you say to her? Um, I would say the same thing that I'm saying to myself right now, which is to believe bigger. I would explain that believe means having a sense of certainty that it's not just what you say, it's how you show up. It is um, being willing to, to live as though God is who you said he is all this time, mm. to not shrink, to recognize that things do not happen to you, they're happening for you. And BIG is an acronym that stands for built-in God. Believe in a built-in God way. Even the circumstances, the bricks that are thrown at you are opportunities to build something that can only be built with God, not with another man, not with another person, not with another human being. It's the same thing I'm saying to myself in this season of life, as I built a multi-million dollar coaching company, the largest for women of faith in the country, and being called to stop again, <laughs> to pause, and in this season, write this book, and learning my new voice, learning a new season of my life and my mission. Um, and so I, I would tell her the same thing that I tell my 38, almost 39, I cannot believe it's been 10 years. 39-year-old self, and what I'm telling those who are listening to the sound of my voice, to believe as though it already were. So I'm, I'm going to ask you the questions that I ask every guest. 
at the end of every conversation. Do you have a favorite quote or scripture that you want to share with us? So there's so many, but the one that was my anchoring scripture growing up that also shows me that the Believe Bigger flow has always been who I who I am and what guided me is Philippians 4.13, which says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the I part goes back to the part in our conversation where we said, believe in ourselves. I can do all things through Christ. So it's a co-creating the future. My brother was a football player. I was a competitive baton twirler. I'm legally blind in my left eye. I won talent at Miss America as a baton twirler. The first time a baton twirler had won talent at Miss America. And, um, I was not physically capable of doing that, but I remember being, well, that's what the doctor said, but I was already doing what they said was impossible. I remember being on the competition floor um, and competitive twirling is much like competitive gymnastics, these big arenas, you're on the floor. And I remember throwing the baton up, I'm spinning around four or five times and I would recite 413. I didn't even have to say the same thing. My brother would have his, his wrist wrapped in the tape for football, but he would always write every game 413. Nobody in the stadium would know what he meant when he would hold up his wristband. And that was something that, that was my first iron sharpener was my brother and I. We used to stand on that scripture of I can do all things. So we learned, I'm grateful to my parents, and this is for those who are parents, two of the best things that we can do is instill a sense of self confidence in our children and the second thing that I'm so grateful that my mother did is she prayed favor because there's certain things that we just can't do on our own that's the through Christ and to pray favor that is um that those are the two most powerful things I believe that we can do if I could add a third to that list it would be to teach our kids about purpose and destiny and the call to lead teaching them this purpose map um in 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 such a way I have vision that this will be coloring books for kids that they will see and be able to play with the ideas of purpose and asking what their gifts are. These are the most important things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For a child to know that, the world is really, there are no limits. Oh my goodness. Wow. And if you can learn that as a child and you and you grow on that, then there you really there are no limits. Um, yeah. and the third, the last question that I will ask is. If someone asked, how does Marshawn do it? What is one value or habit that you would share that gives insight into your success? <sighs> um, I think ignoring people. Mm. I think um, as a kid, and one of the things I talk about in the book is just a lot of the challenges I had being a black girl at an all white school. Um, I was ignored largely and underestimated so what I, it was difficult, it was painful. It helped mold me in negative ways, I think, in terms of the rules. But some of the advantages of that was that I was not dependent on approval for other, from other people in terms of them giving me permission to move forward. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody tells me I can't do something or that it's not going to work, um, it comes into me like a foreign language. Not only do I not understand it, but my soul rejects it. Mm-hmm. And so ignoring people, one of my spiritual mentors told me this while I was coming out of this season of kind of what is my next step in life, God? How did I end up here? Heartbroken. My financial circumstances were getting better. So I couldn't say that I was broke at that time. But I remember him telling me, uh, his name is Reverend Campbell Singleton III. And he said, you know, Marshawn, Jesus ignored people to stay focused on his mission. 
And that has given me so much life and permission to not be rude, to not be arrogant, to not, um, because that's often how, especially as women of color, we've been taught to just cut people and to keep it 100. That's not elegant. That's not creating a more beautiful life. It's actually keeping you stuck in a pit and you don't realize it. Even mm. though you'll get a lot of likes, people will like how it sounds because it's entertaining, but it's not going to step you into a greater place of eternity because what God is more concerned about is our character than our calling. <laughs> so how we ignore with grace and elegance and love because Christ was led by love, but the reason he would pay attention to someone was because of their beliefs. The, one, the people who were sick, he didn't stop to try to heal everybody, right? So in my business seminars and trainings, I hope those who are listening have a chance to come out to some of them one day. But we talk about the mindset that's necessary to be an effective, elegant, and impactful and rich woman. And you can't help everybody just because they need it. And Christ gave me that permission to say, you know what? Um, you might need something, but your belief is not in a place to receive the magnitude of what God has given me to give you. I don't have doubts about whether I carry good news. I know that I do. I've seen it work too often, but Christ left places because of the people's disbelief, because they did not believe. And so I'm not going to audition in front of you to prove that I have what I have. I'm going to invite you as an opportunity but just like Christ kept it moving, I'm going to leave too if you do not want to step into something greater. Now, there might be someone else who is a messenger that is sent to help usher you into a new place of living, being, thriving, and healing even. If that's not me, that is all good. But if it is, um, I pray for grace that someone else would come along because we take grace for granted. We take for granted that, oh, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And I've even honestly seen that with this book. Um, I've seen people who are not believers move faster than those who are. I've seen women who are passionate about getting clarity. And what I see, honestly, is a hunger for God versus now I just, now talking to you, I think I just have clarity about it. I've seen the difference between a hunger for God and complacency with God. And some of us have been following God for so long. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this revelation because I was about to just, I was having some confusion about, God, what are you doing? I've been helping for, I mean, eight years I've been in this coaching space, really created as a trailblazer. I don't say that arrogantly, but I just realized I was one of the first that started blending faith and business together. Nobody was doing that. Now it's become popular. And I'm glad that that's now a new normal. But what I'm realizing now as we're talking is that there is a complacency for God. And that there are people who don't even really know God, who are hungry for God. And that's why they're resonating and quickly, not just getting a copy of Belief Bigger, but multiples. And I, and I will say, um, Lord, if that's where you send me to those who are not taking your grace and your goodness and the window of opportunity that you have made for us to live a bigger life, if it is those who have been following God for all of these years who get left behind and those who are newbies are the ones who are going to really take up the wealth that has been stored up by the wicked. If there's going to be a new righteousness, that's send me there. I'm not going to stay behind. I will ignore those who won't move when you move because I'm going where you're going. I'm not getting left behind. I'm not staying in the gap. Mm -hmm. And so I just have to say, Tiffany, um, thank you for this interview because I was getting 
honestly a little bit weary mm-hmm. with the way that particularly women of color just watch each other. We just stop and we just watch and we compare and we're waiting to see how this is launched, but we're not actually going to support the launch, which means that none of us are going to get to write a book in the women in business category as believers. Again, if we don't come together, where are the real Proverbs 31 women? Maybe they're women who don't even really have a strong relationship with God, but I want to go where the women are hungry. Oh my goodness. So well, I have a plate. I have a plate here. (laughs) I have have a a tray ready. And I know people who are hungry. And I know that people listening to this are grabbing their utensils because Mm -hmm. this has been an unbelievable conversation. And I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule in advance of launching your in, as you launch this book and this movement and this new direction for yourself, for your business, for the way that you are called to help people and sharing that with me and sharing that with how does she do it. So I appreciate Absolutely. you. Absolutely, Thank you. And just so people know, I know it'll probably be in your fancy show notes and you're so <laughs> such a professional and detailed. For those who are auditory listeners, you can go to believebigger.com and you can get your copy or copies. I have some amazing free gifts that I've made available. I talked about one of the ways that you get out of the gap is by having a bigger vision and be willing to dream again. So there's a vision board workshop you'll get completely free. I have a 21-day devotional. Tiffany invested in the three-pack <laughs> to be able to give um, some books to her, her listeners. And with that, you get a 21-day Believe Bigger devotional. And there's some other amazing gifts. There's workshops on the Purpose Map, workshops on a Find Your Purpose Masterclass that my clients that pay anywhere from ten dollars to $50,000 are required to go through. I've made those available as free gifts when you get bundles and the books are discounted to make it more accessible. We have women who are buying bulk books for women in prison and mm-hmm. inviting them to believe bigger for girls groups, for women's ministries. And so I invite you to get your girlfriends together, just like Tiffany and I, we could sit here and talk all day, but figure out what are the rules that you've been playing with? What are the mountains that you've climbed? How have you been stuck in the gap? How is this happening to for you and not to you? What are your real superpowers? What are your gifts? And where are you called to lead in this season? But don't just do this journey by yourself. If Christ needed a crew, so do you. And so everything we created at BelieveBigger.com is designed to help you step into the highest version of you because there is a mission with your name on it. It's up to you to answer the calling. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And all of the links to 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 connecting with Marshawn will be in the show notes and everything will be available. Thank you so much. God bless you.